We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, August third. I'm Jeff Erickson. This podcast is brought to you by the folks at Dynasty Owner. Thank you for sponsoring us. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll hear from them a little bit later in the draft. I'm here with Chris Liss, as we are always going to be doing the Monday podcast, and hopefully soon we'll have you know, stuff on the football field to react to. Now it's more opt outs and contracts. Right now, Chris, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Just Good. looking at this stuff, you were asking me about which guys I'd switched around, and I'm, I'm looking at my list now. Yeah, and that's going to be the theme for uh, today's uh, show after we get through some of the news and notes. Obviously, the big overriding theme is positive COVID tests and people opting out. A lot of both. So wanted to get into that right away, Chris. Uh, we'll start off, uh, you know, and, and injury notes, too. You know, there, there's a lot of that going on, too, but... Uh, if, you know, in fact, the, the first one I want to start off with was Rashad Penny uh, going on the PUP list. You know, he had that gruesome knee injury. Uh, you know, this, this, you know, Pete Carroll had said uh, he, that Penny will report to training camp on Friday. Uh, attending a camp and actually practicing are two different things. You know, he's coming back from a torn ACL. Chris Carson's coming back from a hip injury. I still see like a reason for hope for having Rashad Penny at some point. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance PUP regular season, which is be you know week six, seven, eight, right, he'd come back, and then, um, but it might be good timing too, right? If he's really back and healthy, and Chris Carson's fumbled or gotten dinged up, uh, could be perfect timing, right? I mean, a lot of times you win your league not because you have the guy who's the running back three, but you have the guy who averaged 20 points a game for four key weeks, and Penny's right. a candidate to be that later in the year. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and so maybe, you know, and one of the, like, I think it's a, a best ball or even in a, like one of those deep, no pickup leagues, like, a, or a sporadic pickup league, like a cut line, maybe that's where you, you take a chance on him, a draft champion sort of format. You know, I think 
in leagues where you have weekly pickups, I probably wouldn't bother, especially because, you know, if you're going to have like four or five bench spots or even six, I probably wouldn't bother. But in, in a deeper league, I, I might, uh, you know, because Carlos Hyde actually is also banged up a little bit in his own right. You know, he's got uh, he's coming back from a torn labrum in his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, and also Carlos Hyde is not really an obstacle if Penny comes back fully healthy. Right. I don't think. I mean, he probably could be made into an obstacle because that's what coaches do. But Penny was first round pick a couple of years ago, and he's looked the part when he's gotten a chance. Right. That's right. And so that's why, yeah, you pay, you know, that's why you kind of like want to pay attention to that. I uh, want, want to think that that might be a big deal. But uh, at any rate, uh, I, I just thought I'd bring him up. You know, Seattle wants to run the ball a ton. That's not going to change. You know, they might. The only thing that might change things is if somehow they they get behind early. But you know, after going and making the big trade for uh, Jamal Adams, you, you know, you think that their defense is going to be a little bit stronger. That's one of the reasons it allows them to kind of run their offense the way they'd like to run it. Yeah, I think they'll. Uh, I mean, I, I think they're still going to. Yeah, they're still going to pound the ball no matter what. I think Russell Wilson is sort of that ace in the hole that they always count on late in the games, even if they are trailing, to say, okay didn't work so let's let russell wilson take over oh we won the game what a brilliant strategy we had right that's right uh so yeah that, that that's just one little note there uh big news that happened over the weekend antonio brown they finally got a decision on him he's going to be suspended for the first eight games for violating the personal conduct penalty uh it will begin september 5th run through week eight of the regular season uh or his team's eighth game assuming he signs with a team uh so, you know, that opens the door for someone to sign him if they want to. If he goes unsigned, though, then you, you probably don't get anything all year from him. Right. I mean, I, I think you draft him, and if he's not signed pretty quick, you drop him. You know, you're hoping that somebody signs him early, and, you know, at least you know what you have. I, I think you still drop him if you need to, even if he does sign with the team. I mean, he's 32, and – He's going to come to a new team and have to get up to speed. And it's not like a sure thing right now. But if you're in the NFFC, you got a 10-man bench, you could take a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't yet. haven't found myself taking that chance on him. But, yeah, uh, at least you have certainty. At least you know. I, I mean, that was one of the things. It could be a year. It could be three games. Now at least that we have that certainty there a little bit. And so do teams. I think – you know, he was at, and his reaction was good for once. Uh, he was like, okay, th- I, I'm willing to, you know, I'll put in the work, you know, I'm grateful for getting the other opportunity. So said all the right things after that came down, at least. He says all the right things all the time. And then he says all the wrong things. And like 24 day. hours like he, later. Yeah, yeah. He's just really, it's not, you know, he, the thing about Antonio Brown is if you've ever seen like him, the videos of him working out, like he works like a maniac. Like, it's not like he, it's no accident that he is a hall of fame level receiver despite being 5'10", 185 with mediocre time speed. I mean, he works like a maniac. And so even Brady was impressed by his work ethic. So, you know, he's a little bit out there, but if, if he ever does commit, it's like he, it's not like, he, you know, people, they think, oh, he's, he doesn't care about football or whatever. No, I, some of those guys who have, um, screw loose like they it's not just that like they'll do something outlandish on the side but when they're doing the thing they're doing no one's more focused you know Dennis Rodman or one of those guys like no one's more focused than those guys right so it's it cuts both ways well that was one of the things like uh the last dance the 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 Jordan Bulls documentary they they said the same thing about uh, Rodman that when he was focused he was hyper focused he was really you know and he was really good uh, about that and you know he, he took his craft super seriously and all that and you know they had high praise for him it's just he weren't he wasn't always there yeah i mean it's just you know everyone's got their situation in life and everybody even the most you know seemingly well-adjusted person has got their issues to deal with and everyone deals with them differently but you know genius and madness kind of are a fine line so sometimes a guy who's just outlandishly great at something, it's partly because he's a little crazy. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, that that's one of those uh, where yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, the, the upside is still so high if it works out. He signs with the right team and he comes back on time after that. But I'll probably wait until he actually signs with someone. The problem is, like, if he, if, like, if he just can't control himself, it's just not worth it for anybody. It's just if he just can't. But he did control himself in Pittsburgh for a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was a huge part of that team. And he never really heard a lot about it until the last couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the funny thing, you know, so the question is, did he control himself? Did Tomlin control him? You know, it, it's kind of a pater- paternalistic narrative when you think about it. Uh, I don't know if that's a fair critique. You or know, not. Coach, coaches, ma- I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of their relationship, but coaches matter. You know, coaching is important. It's not just like a lot of coaches are just idiots. They just inflame the situation. They throw the player under the bus to the media. They handle it completely wrong at every turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a volatile guy and other coaches are a little bit better at relating to the guy, seeing what it is that's bothering him. That is legitimate. Most, you know, fly off the handle things are like, they're based on a legitimate grievance. It's just handled wrong. And they address the grievance. They extract some sort of commitment and promise from the guy. And, you know, they, they make it work and if, but sometimes it's not possible too. sometimes the guy's just too determined to screw it up and it's hard to know in advance. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that that's Remember, a, Belichick. Belichick couldn't control him in, in New England. Yeah, but that that was like that was kind of end game sort of stuff, you know. Like he already at that point he had already run the course with the Raiders. He was already careening off the tracks, you know. Right. He might have been in sort of. You're right. And he wasn't. He didn't have like any, you know, roots with the Patriots. And Belichick's kind of a hard ass and like you know uh, aloof, and so. It might have just been like, all right, we took a chance. And not only that, court, like Belichick didn't have like a whole lot invested in him either. No. So it's easy didn't. for him to say, screw this. I'm done. Yeah. Right. And and the Patriot, just the Patriot way is more powerful than one, you know, volatile, talented player. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's probably, uh, you know, that, that's, that's probably the take there. You know, passage of time sometimes helps people too. Um, you know, that and, you know, actually maybe real help. You get resolve a lot of out, you know, hanging, you know, problems that have been kind of hanging over him a little bit there, and maybe he can get those resolved. And he's a lot better off. So we'll see. All right, enough about him. Um, Want to move on? Uh, this is something we uh, we talked about. You know, may not make like big headlines, but Jawan James uh, got it opted out for the season for the Denver Broncos, uh, starting offensive tackle. You know, twenty eight years old in the prime of his career. He's he opted out for. Uh, COVID-19 concerns. Uh, the opt-out deadline is Wednesday, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few more opt-outs coming along the way. Uh, I guess he's been mulling this for a week or so. Uh, he was supposed to start right tackle for the, the, the Broncos. You got a young quarterback. At least he's not, he wasn't slated to protect his blind side, but still, pretty big deal. And one thing we're talking about in the XM show is like sometimes guards are known as the run blockers, tackles as the pass blockers. I would say the other thing is blindside tackle is definitely a pass blocker. You know, forward side one might be more, you know, kind of more on the run, uh, things of that nature. Uh, still, I, did you downgrade Drew Locke, Melvin Gordon, anybody else based on this news? No, I might. Maybe I'll. No, not really, because they're low enough already. If, if I had them higher, I would probably have downgraded them but lock is like my 20 something qb so it's like do i really want to move rivers up ahead of him when i think the colts are going to run a thousand times um probably not the weapons are still good and it's it's one right tackle but it's not good i I think it's more like it it's not it's like if you're getting him at like 23 or whatever you're getting him okay fine it's just that the case for an easy you know it just makes the upside a little harder to see just a slight, slightly. I'd say that's right. I'd say that uh, that's kind of, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's granted, and it's the thing is, you're not investing a lot in Drew Locke anyhow. Uh, for the most part, I've seen some people that were bigger on him, but for the most part, it, it's what you do with uh, Gordon, what you do with uh, you know, the wide receiver options. You, know, you got a rookie, you know, a bunch of uh, young wide receivers that might be a problem. A little bit there, but for the most part, yeah, I've locked at twenty-seven actually behind Rivers. He's just had a Bridgewater and Haskins. Okay, so it's there's really nowhere to move him. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and because he, you know, he's going to play. 
You know, that's the one thing. He doesn't have any, you know, they didn't sign Cam Newton. They didn't sign any, you know, Philip Rivers or any veteran. Should have signed Cam Newton. They absolutely should have. Absolutely, I think they should have. But they did not. So, uh, Well, if Locke turns out to be good, the thing is, like, if you have a young QB that you think might, you know, even has a 20% chance to be a top 10 QB, which I think is fair, it's not that high, um, then, you know, you don't want to screw that up by, you know, you basically – Signing Cam Newton, it's like, we'll see if it was just a ploy by Belichick. But if he plays like Stidham or if it were Locke, you don't, you don't easily recover from that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you just lose like your, your starting job and all the reps with the starters and the practice reps. And that's a, it's a horrible blow to your career to have you know, a former MVP veteran come in. It's not just like a minor thing like, oh, we'll just sign Cam. And then we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at lock next year. Like, no, that's, you're putting like a good, there's a good chance that you've closed the book on him. Right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. Um, all right. That, that's what I want to talk about with those guys before we move on. Uh, let's uh, do a little bit of business uh, with, uh, with our friends at dynasty owner. Uh, they've been uh, sponsoring the podcast for us this month. and really wanted to thank them for that. We've been looking for a new challenge, which is why uh, we got Jerry Donabedian and Joe Bartell are playing in the dynasty owner, fancy football uh, uh, program this season. Dynasty owner, fancy football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty owner is the only way to play fancy football with real NFL salaries adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for the diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Leagues are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. We've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky. If you're like us and know better than most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty today. Uh, all right, let's, let's go over some of the other uh, COVID uh, and, uh, uh, testing uh, positives, some of the uh, opt-outs, and then we'll get on to the meat of the day, which is movers on your rankings. Uh, Quickly, a couple of guys that, you know, that happened over the weekend. The, the Lions, they already had Kenny Galladay test positive, but they added Matthew uh, Stafford and TJ Hawkinson to the list. We spent some time on XM talking about them. want to talk about them here real quick. Hawkinson's a guy you and I both kind of like, uh, especially if you're waiting on tight ends. You get like someone like him and Noah Font or Irv Smith, kind of get two of those guys as opposed to paying up for a tight end. Yeah. I mean, I don't like him specifically. I mean, I'd like him. He's the eighth overall pick and came out of the gate really strong last year. Although I think it was against the Cardinals that he had his, yeah, it was against the Cardinals. He had his massive game, but this is, should be, you know, pedigree wise an elite tight end year two is a little early for a tight end to truly break out. It's usually three or four for them, but the top guys can go in year two and uh, almost nobody does anything as a rookie. So I like him. He's been, he was pretty beat up last year though. And now he's, also sick. Um, or I don't know if he's actually sick, but he's got the virus, but I'm not too worried about the COVID thing. I, I mean, I said this like 10 times. I just, for the, for these guys, the shape they're in, the age they are, I'm not saying there's no possibility of something bad. Obviously Eduardo Rodriguez, that was yeah. a serious thing. I can't deny that, but that most of them are going to just get right through it, bounce right back. And is there a long-term issue? Maybe that's a good reason not to play. If you, if you, if, since we don't know, what the long-term implications are. But I think in the short term, if these guys aren't crazy sick and even if they're a little sick uh, and they get back, it does not, I am not downgrading these guys at all. Yeah. And that's, that's some of the thing like, yeah, there, there are some players with pre-existing conditions, but honestly, the NFL is kind of Darwinian and that it weeds yeah, out people exactly. that, exactly. that uh, you know, can't, you know, you know, you know, where they're say they're extremely asthmatic or they have heart conditions. Well, a lot of times you can't play. Anyhow, you know, you, and that, and that's not, it's not a universally true, but you know, it's hard enough to get in. Uh, and so, yeah, that I think well, the NFL some, has more fat guys, right? I mean, you can be kind of fat and play, uh, you know, certain positions in the NFL and that baseball has some fat pitchers, I guess, but fat DHs, but like, you know, anybody who's playing like cornerback safety, wide receiver, running back, 
those guys are in tip top shape. Yeah. And even uh, like, but even the linemen, like if you can't breathe, I mean, you're taking a pounding, you know, it's, it's hard to be able to continue with that. Uh, if you have heart conditions, well, I mean, that's, that's a real problem. Think sumo wrestler though, you know, like I, I think of the offensive linemen kind of like sumo wrestlers, like those guys are fat as hell, but they're strong as hell too. Right. I mean, they're incredibly strong and the fat like gives you just more mass, like a bigger base from which to push. You used to, you didn't get a fights when you were a kid, but I used to fight and the fat kid was always strong. And so, you know, that's what these sumo wrestlers are like guys like 400 pounds. He's giving you a hard shove. I mean, you're going to fall down. And I think some of these guys, I mean, a lot of these linemen are even now like in better shape than you'd even realize. Like they run and work out and stuff, but you know, they're just carrying more fat. They eat a lot of calories. Their, their metabolisms are stretched a little bit more. So I don't know. It, I could see a lot of these guys just being like, "Why, well, you know, it's, and then, and, and even no matter how healthy you are, you don't know any long-term effects. We just don't know. But if a guy's playing this year and he's got COVID and he's not super symptomatic, he's got, you know, mild symptoms. I'm not concerned. Okay. That's, that's good. Uh, there are other, op- the, the, the other one is uh, Gardner Minshew again, if not concerned, well, you wouldn't be concerned with him either. Although there is a little bit, maybe more time he might have gotten some extra COVID into the mustache, though, and so it's more dangerous for him. <laughs> it might have entrapped some of the particles. Now, uh, you know, he's, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL. You could be a little fat and be quarterback. Wasn't like Byron Leftwich a little chubby? Like you could be a little chunky and play QB, couldn't you? Like if you're a pocket passer. Yeah, it usually doesn't work out that well at that level. You need a, you need the mobility to get. You know, I'm sure it's happened a few you can guys. Have quick but... feet though. You can still be. You know, what about what was that guy who's 300 pounds? Yeah, he's dead. Jared Lorenzen, you're talking about, right? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, okay, he's dead. But uh, that's neither here nor there, Jeff. He was he was like 300 pound quarterback, so you can be a large quarterback. Yeah, but he did pass away recently. Um, so, but not COVID related. No, not COVID related. Uh, just life related. Uh, so, yes. yeah, unfortunately, there. Okay, big opt outs. Nate Solder, huge for you. Huge could could impact Daniel Jones and Saquon Bartley. I know you didn't. You're not a huge fan of him, or at least I the signing didn't work bad. out. But it's one bad. less guy in the chain. It's one less guy in the chain, but it's also like the time. You know, it's like you pay a guy a bunch of money, and you've got to see it through if you're the team. But I don't know that he was better than their replacement by a lot, and I feel like it was time to move on. They drafted three offensive linemen this year: a first, a third, and a fifth. Obviously, Andrew Thomas is going to start right away. But, uh, it just gives like another opportunity for some of the other guys to step up. So I, you know, uh, I, I just think Solder, it doesn't strike me as a big loss. I, I guess he has experience, but ever since he joined the team for big bucks, like the line has not been good at all. So I, I think it's very minor. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. CJ Mosley for the jets. After the Jamal Adam trade, uh, the Adams trade, then you, you lose Mosley too. That hurts. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I think he barely played last year, right, because of an injury. So they haven't really had him. He signed a big deal, and that's they haven't really gotten anything out of him. Yeah, they they haven't, but they need to get. Last year he played two somehow. games, and and so he's really hasn't played for the Jets. <laughs> he that's it. He's played two games for the Jets, and that's all. No one wants to play for the Jets. I mean, honestly, like the Jets is rock bottom. It's like if you have a drug problem and then you find out like, oh, I've really done it now. Like it's rock bottom. And then you quit. I think playing for the Jets is, is the equivalent of that for the NFL. I was going to say that's worse. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's worse. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a loss uh, for them, but uh, they're already kind of in bad shape anyways there. Damian Williams, we spent plenty of time talking about that already. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went fifth overall in my uh, most recent draft, uh, the uh, flex league that I'm in with the Jake Seeley League, best ball league. Uh, after I took Zeke at four, he went ahead of, you know, Dallin Cook, ahead of Michael Thomas. Uh, this is this, I've, this is not the first time, and he's probably gone higher in some places too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, just – that that's another one there. Um, Marquise Lee, we talked about him a little bit already. He could have won a starting job with the Pats. Now he won't. Yeah, he could have. I mean, he was a long shot, but he's he's a guy 
it's just so funny. I never watched college football and I went to that Andrew Luck Stanford USC game that was like so epic mm-hmm. at Marquise Lee. And I think it was uh was it Matt Barkley there? I can't remember who was playing for the USC the QB, but uh I think it was Matt Barkley, and it was like an epic, epic game between the two of them. And Marquise Lee, I think, was a freshman then, and he was really good. I was like, who's that guy? Number nine or whatever his number. He was like moving. He was just so quick. And I, was, and I just remembered, like, I, since I never watched college on TV or in person, I was like, I don't remember that guy when he gets to the NFL. Ended up being a second-round pick, and I was always drafting him late. And he had, like, one all-right year where he caught, like, 80 passes, but never really made it. Yeah. I mean, Pats are just a fantasy wasteland this year. Is there is there a team that a worst fa- worst fantasy offense team this year? Uh, not really. No, I can't think of one because, like you know, even the Redskins have. Oh, I shouldn't say that. The Washington Football Team bullets, I'll call them, have uh, have you know Terry McLaurin and people like Geis, people even like Steve Sims. So the the Pats, it's like, who do they have? It's like they have, I, I, you know, Edelman could catch 80 passes, but I don't trust that. Newton is the only guy I'm interested in in the Pats. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got, I know if Edelman gets extremely discounted, you wouldn't take a chance on him. I mean, if anyone gets extremely discounted in a full PPR, but Edelman's is kind of like, well, I just look, don't see it. Yeah, he's 34. I mean, he's he's on the decline phase, beyond decline phase. He's on the cliff phase already. He's he wide receiver 36, low pick I, 98 overall. Well, yeah. what's a what about wide receiver low pick? Uh, that would put him around like Jerry Judy, Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder. Yeah, I have those guys all way ahead of him. I have Darius Slayton 33, and I have Edelman. In full PPR, forty-three. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that's pretty darn low. No James White for you. Not even like in a best ball PPR sort nah. of format. In a worst ball, I think he's great. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the thing is, I, James White is worth. Like I haven't projected pretty high. He's like my 39th running back via projections. Sixty-two catches, which I think he'll probably get. Although Newton never. Well, he did check down to Christian McCaffrey's rookie year, but. First, first two years, but James white, it's just, it's a, the only way James white can be useful for you is in like a zero running back situation where you're so loaded everywhere else. And you, you stumble upon one good starting running back. And then James white is your second starting running back. And he gets you like 10 PPR points a week. And he just sort of like, doesn't give you a zero, but you, you, so, you know, James white ends up at 39 among running backs, but you look at the guys behind him on the projections and it's like Latavius Murray's 44, Tony Pollard's 46, Zach Moss is 48. Like those guys, if the starter gets hurt for like a three game, like last year, Latavius Alvin Kamara missed a couple of games and Latavius Murray went crazy for those two games. And he like won me two weeks and I made the playoffs in the league because I had Latavius Murray because it gave, it was the difference. Mm -hmm. And James White just can't do that for you. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. I mean, James White can have that one huge game, but you just never know what's going to happen. But what did say? Say Sony Michelle like has another setback. He's out for the year. With that, Damon Harris, Damon Harris, or Rex Burkhead, or still too too many people there. Too many mouths to feed. It's those aren't even people. Those are just names on jerseys. Those aren't like oh, but they have this amazing guy. That's just these are guys that are not even giving. Burkhead's like thirty something and journeyman and and. Uh, Harris is just a guy they never give a chance to. So we don't even know. We don't even know if they like him. They might even bring in someone else for all we know. But I just don't see James White getting 150 carries, even if Sonny Michelle, you know, dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, I think you're probably right. What do you think about Sonny Michelle? Is, is, I mean, how, how low do you, how low are you on him compared to the crowd? Are you way below? I don't, I don't know where the crowd is, but I moved him to 45, I moved him down because I mean, I guess I shouldn't overreact to the PUP because preseason PUP means nothing. It's just, you know, it just means like he's not recovered yet, but he had surgery in May. He's had knee problems, you know, for a long time. This is a foot problem and he's not even that good. You know, he had 3.7 yards per carry last year. He's just like an okay guy. He doesn't catch passes. I think cam might end up being their goal line back, 
watch like Stidham get the job and Michelle leads the NFL in touchdowns with like 17. It's possible. Yeah. But I would think that my feeling is that Cam might be the goal line back and Michelle may get like five touchdowns and like, you know, 800 yards or something. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Um, all right. Damian Harris worth a late pickup. Sure. He may as well. Yeah. I, I actually kind of like it because, you know, they, they invest the draft capital in him. Miss Sony Michelle's banged up. What if they do become like a better running team? They, you know, Cam opens up some running lanes or Stidham for that matter, I guess. Uh, and Harris is the guy that steps in. They go with the younger, you know, one year younger guy. Uh, if Michelle can't go out, it's funny. Sony Michelle's not old, but you know, he, but that's the mileage, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could see that as like, okay, late ha- second half of the season, you've got an option. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, you, it could happen. Um, but it's like they gave him four carries last year. I mean, it's just, it's really, I mean, they did not, it's kind of like Daryl Henderson, but even worse. It's like a team used a third round pick on a guy had an opportunity because Michelle was banged up mm-hmm. and just decided not to use him. I mean, that's just, and, and the Patriots, like they, they look at draft picks as sunk costs, right? They're not like, Oh, we have him. I don't think they think twice about it. Deion Lewis was like a guy they got for nothing. He played a lot. And then they had guys like Aaron Dobson and um, someone else. I can't remember Chad. Jet. They had all these receivers. They took really high and then didn't even use them. Yeah. That's right. And I wonder, oh, is this a Brady thing? You know, I don't know. Yeah, it could be Brady, but I mean, the running back, I guess, you know, miss a bit blitz pickup and you're in the doghouse, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Belichick's the boss, you know, Brady's just, you know, I can't see him like telling Belichick who to put on the field. Yeah. I think you're probably right about that. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't want, uh, you know, you know, I, I it's not, I, it's not ideal, but, now that's, you know, we'll see if it's a Belichick thing or a Brady thing. A lot of things. Well, here's the thing. I know we won't. This won't be a thing where like, oh, yeah, we're going to see who, who who is successful for their, you know, responsible for their success. Because, A, you know, you know, it's a 43-year-old Brady. It's not really a fair test. B, there's other personnel differences there, too. You can't really say, oh, well, it was all along. You can see it was Brady. Well, you can see it was Brady when he was in his 30s. Or, you can, you know, with this personnel. But... Yeah, I I, it's, I think it's kind of like one of those unfair tests. Well, it's it's definitely more unfair to Brady because well, he's got good personnel, but, but you know, coaching coaches don't really. I mean, eventually they age out of it. The game passes them by. But you can be sixty five, seventy, and as long as your mind is sharp, you could be at your peak as a coach. Whereas like the QB is gonna not, you know, Brady's never gonna be his peak again. That not even close. So it's not really fair. It's be- peak Belichick versus trough Brady is not a fair comparison. So that that's the other thing. It's like, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, yeah, I, I would like to see the Bucks be good. I, I think it would be exciting if, if Brady pulled the Joe Montana when he went to the chiefs and it was like, holy crap, this guy's still really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I mean, it, it would, it would be awesome. It would be awesome to see that. All right, let's move on. Uh, before we do that though, a quick note from our friends at fan draft. You can take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes you your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, the Vikings missing their pick, custom logos with team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. No, just kidding. Uh, they, there won't be multiple draft board displays. Yeah, there will be, but there won't be any Vikings missing picks. Uh, FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. can also be used fully online, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction-style drafts. FanDraft also supports IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, and just about any customization to meet your league requirements. You can sign up for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, Make sure to use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's fandraft.com and use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15%. You know, Chris, going back to the NFL draft, I'm surprised there weren't more glitches than there were. And, I, and the stuff that were glitches weren't really glitches so much as they were like character things like, you know, like Goodell slumping over in his chair to announce one pick or like 
the uh, you know CD Lamb grabbing the phone away from his girlfriend, or like the other the mom dragging the girlfriend off the player when he got announced as the first round pick. From the but that, those weren't really glitches; those were just like kind of character. Otherwise, right. reality show yeah. events. Yeah, but like there weren't like the there wasn't the hacking. There wasn't the you know uh, uh, can you hear me? Uh, we we can't get our draft pick in or anything like that. No, there it, it went pretty smoothly. I was really surprised. Hacking would be so awesome. You yeah. hacked in and, and took like, you know, you had the Jets take a quarterback. <laughs> That's what I should have done. I, I should have studied my whole life to be a hacker, just so I could have the Jets draft a quarterback. Shockingly, life goals. Heavy, uh, <laughs> what a great life goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's easy, dude. I mean, the NFBC can do it. The NFFC can do it for right. them. I mean, it's easy. I mean, this is a multi-billion-dollar organization. Like, they should be able to just pull that off. And yeah, you'd think like you know they make fun of Gettleman with his one laptop, but even you know it's so easy. Anybody can do a draft online. It's just an online draft is all it is. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the thing is like. Yeah, we just all wanted to see it. It's like, oh, Gettleman, he's such a Luddite. Look at those notebooks, you know, and all that, you know. Or you know. that's like so. That's such a like we. I mean, you, people can crap on Gettleman. I'm not saying he's good. He he's done some things well, and he's done some stupid things. But that whole meme to me is like, really, you 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 see a guy with some notebooks, and you see a guy with a bunch of flat screens, and you're like, ooh, flat screens. He's got to be the better GM. To me, that is not giving me any information about who's the better GM at all or who's the better talent evaluator sure of course not um you know and there's a lot of that uh that is like and we just want to see it we i just i'll be honest i wanted to see a glitch i thought it would be hilarious oh yeah that's what i I was rooting for train wreck is what you're rooting for yeah well that's the Bengals season every year so i want to see it happen to somebody else yeah of course train wrecks still do happen uh but you know they still there, there's always screw-ups that you do see all the time. All right, I want to get into the uh, the meat of the matter here. Guys that have changed, you know, you know whether you know it's not ADP changes, but it's your changes. You've you've done the rankings. You're doing another set. You're doing the snarky 150 right now, which forces you to t- you know to look at rankings again. Yeah, I did cha- move some guys based on that. Just like eh, I'd rather have this guy than that guy. You know, that kind of thing right. happens. And you've also done some drafts, a, a couple of drafts, including one of your beat Chris Lisses already. And all those things kind of force you to reevaluate and say, okay, is this how I really feel? Now that I'm in a draft and I see that this guy is hanging here, do I really want to take him? Or the other way around, oh, where is he on my rankings? He went, he went and I'm nowhere near on him. I got to change it. Uh, do you have any of those sort of guys? Let's go with the first type first. Uh, guys that, were, that you've moved down, whether it's because you didn't want to take him in a draft or you've, you've reconsidered looking at him. You're like, eh, I don't know if I really like him here. Yeah, uh, a couple guys like Robert Woods was one of them that I moved down. I just think he's a low ceiling type of guy. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I just don't love the situation for him, even though he's a good player. Uh, have him at 19, maybe that's close to market. Um, I moved T.Y. Hilton down. It's a minor hamstring injury, but his age and calf, I just was like, this is not great. I moved Marquise Brown up recently because he's now playing in the 180s, which is different. We talked about that on XM. Mm-hmm. I've moved. Um, a couple guys like that, you know, around, I was going to move Will Fuller up more, but I have him at 46 and I'm probably the low man on him. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, he's the Buxton of the NFL. Like you just can't <laughs> count on it. And, and the NFL is so much rougher, you know, you just can't count on it. I just, I think like there's certain guys when they get hurt, you're not like, ah, oh, that's such bad luck. You're like, yeah. When Buxton got hurt before the season, it's amazing. They only missed a couple games. Uh, people are like, I told you, dude, why don't you ever learn? And like, it's annoying, obviously, after the fact. Right. But I'm also like, yeah, they're kind of right. Like, what am I doing? Like, why do I keep thinking it's just bad luck? Yeah. You know, it's it, and and I feel like with Will Fuller, there's a couple of guys. A lot of guys, it is bad luck, and you have to just say, okay, this might be a value. This guy, he happens to have gotten hurt a couple of years, but he's healthy now. But with certain players, like man, so Fuller's a guy I'm kind of low on. The worst thing goes, about Fuller is too, it's like he'll have this great matchup. And he gets hurt in the first quarter or he just doesn't get the targets like they they, they actually get ahead. And so they decide they're going to run the ball more or something like that. Uh, and so well, Hopkins then, is gone. I mean, that's big. You know, the, the, yeah. the hog is gone. That's true. That is true. But, you know, seeing him like go off on your bench and then get hurt while you have him active, the whipsaw he, to me, he's yeah. like Ryan Braun. 
you know, for me, I, I never end up drafting Ryan Braun because that I always time the market wrong with him. I get tired of it. And it's always like day to day sort of stuff. You know, that that's the thing that's too. It's a killer. Well, it's Fuller, already happened Kurt, again this year. But Fuller's courteous enough to, you know, be out for multiple weeks, if not the whole season. So he doesn't put yeah, you in but a position. It, he's had like the muscle pulls and things like that, which just, you know, he, he's questionable into a given week and then he'll play or then won't play that when he's probable the next or something like that. You know, it's just it feels like that's the case. And I feel like Braun's the same way. Yeah, Braun's been like that for the last six years. Yes. Uh, one guy I've moved up is Gronk. I moved him all the way to six. Yeah. He's 31 years old. He he retired for a year because he got such a bad hit in that Super Bowl that it like gave him like internal bleeding or something. It was like really damaged himself, and he just took a year to get healthy. And he's 31, man. I mean, tight ends at 34, 35. Gates, Gonzalez, those guys were crushing it at those ages. Yeah, he's the greatest tight end of all time. He's 31 years old. He's going to be starting. I don't know how many snaps he's going to see necessarily, but he's going to be mostly being a, uh, as a receiver, being used as a receiver. I. Hard for me not to like him in that situation. It's another guy I moved up. So it's just a few. I mean, most of my stuff isn't that far off ADP. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Mark Ingram better and J.K. Dobbins worse as it's gone on. I, I moved down Cam Akers from like 22 to 27. I'm starting to move up Daryl Henderson to 34. Even though Daryl Henderson was like the Damian Harris, like totally neglected third-round pick. Starting to think they talked about a committee and Daryl Henderson's really quick. Even the few plays that I saw him play last year, the guy just hits the hole fast. Yes, he does. And I was like, you know, if this if this guy, if it's a committee and they kind of take turns, you know, Daryl Henderson might just blow up. You know, so I kind of like him. Um, I like Kareem Hunt a little better. I think it's great to be able to have that the backup in a top what should be a top running offense. Now the offensive line is so much better in Cleveland who also is playable while he's your backup. That's right. like ideal. Yeah. And he, he is the first backup that gets taken though. Right. Uh, right. You know, he get you gets drafted at the same spot as some team starters. Right. So you well, really Dobbins, have to commit to him. I've hunted 30 Dobbins at 31. And the next backup I have is Daryl Henderson at 34. So that's, because those guys, because these aren't backups. These are, I mean, Hunt is a backup kind of, but he's got his own role. But Dobbins and Daryl Henderson, they're backups, but they're also potential starters. Even if the, they might just outplay the starter. Basically, rank the rookie running backs for me. I'm in a uh, league where we do, you know, just rookies or guys that weren't rostered at Clyde. the end of the year last year. So Edward Solaire has got to be one now that Damian Williams has opted out, right? Yeah, and Taylor's two. Taylor two, and then. Three, I guess I have Acres, but barely. Acres ahead uh, of Swift. No, sorry, three, three is Swift. Okay, I, I forgot. Three is Swift. Four is Acres. Five is Dobbins. Six is. I guess it's Keyshawn Vaughn, but I'm getting when they signed McCoy. That's not good for Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, I may move him down. Seven is that is one Moss. where the the positive COVID test is kind of damaging? Um, because not he's if missing not out if all these reps. Not if it's just like a week. You know, I mean, if a lot of these guys, it's like they tested positive because they're testing everybody all the time. Three days later, they beat it. Or four days later, they get a couple negative tests and it's just a blip. So I, I think it might be like that for a lot of these guys. You never know. Everyone's different genetically. But Zach Moss I mean, or, or Vaughn? Who do you like better? I've got Vaughn, Vaughn higher now because I because I just think that Devin Singletary is more established than Ronald Jones. Mm-hmm. But the McCoy signing gets has me a little nervous. Like, why even bother to sign him if you're sold on Vaughn as your definite other guy? And actually, I kind of like uh, Ronald Jones with the McCoy signing. It's almost like the real threat is held off. But Zach Moss, I, I'm higher on Singletary than some. I, I think he's the clear starter, but Zach Moss has a chance. Then Antonio Gibson, then Anthony McFarland, then A.J. Dillon. That's probably far enough. Would Dillon go higher in a dynasty? I guess. I mean, yeah, Aaron Jones is due to leave. A.J. Dillon has been compared to Derrick Henry. But, you know, the odds that A.J. Dillon is really as good as Derrick Henry, it's probably, what, like 15 20% when you get a rookie who's got the physical specs and you compare him to a guy who's smashing the league with the same physical specs, it's like it's pretty slim. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, the Dillon, sign, you know, the Dillon draft pick was interesting just because of – you know the the Packers having two other wide uh, two other running backs needing wide receivers, 
uh, taking a quarterback in the first round that they did all of that. I mean, that that's pretty wild uh, that they still went with Dylan with an early pick. It's just bizarre. I mean, you have a, the running back is not their problem. Jamal Williams, an adequate backup. You don't even yeah. need depth. So you're totally fine at running back and you're either get rid of Rogers or you're all in with Rogers until you get rid of him. And so both picks, you had a team that was 13 and three. They weren't, didn't deserve to be, but still, I mean, they, they got it done. And, and instead of, you know, getting that last piece for a Super Bowl push, they did get Devin Funches who opted out, but instead of getting that last piece for a, a Super Bowl push, they just drafted for the future while the present was still here. It just, man, it, there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of overlap between the present and the future, but that seems like way too much overlap. We're not even sure Rogers is done after this year for the Packers. Right. That's right. Um, I think he, I think he signed for like four years, right? Well, I mean, they would just release him if he had a bad year and I don't know what the cap it is, but yeah. And, and they've said all these quotes like, Oh, we expect Aaron to be there from the future. And now they, they got, they kind of have to say that. So I get it. Of course they say that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, these teams are, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, if, if love ends up being the next Rogers and, Rogers is the next far, you know, like great peak and then faded a bit. Then everyone will say that was genius. You know, they got the guy they needed to get, but it's really interesting because it's a, re- this happens in fantasy drafts, real life, everything. It's like, we know two things. One, we know that like we who have experience picking players, evaluating talent, we w- you need to have conviction in your observations. So if you see a, a quarterback or somebody that you think could be really good, you got to pounce and take him. But the flip side of that is, you know, that nobody has some, at least nobody's, it's very hard, very difficult to reliably be better than the crowd, an educated, informed crowd at doing that. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you take Jordan Love because you're like, I know this guy's going to be good and I trust myself. And on the other hand, you're like, how the hell would I know? Nobody knows if these guys are going to be good. We don't need, it's not a need pick. Get something that's going to win the Super Bowl. And that is an impossible thing to resolve because you can always criticize people for making a pick like that. But if it works out, then, you know, then you never would have got it if you just played it by the book. So, you know, it's a, it's one of those things where you're, we're going to grade it on results and we have to, because the process is not really, you can't really evaluate it without the results. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. One more uh, note uh, from our sponsors, uh, our friends at Otternew. Auto New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he is tearing up while he's still tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit OTTONEU.com today. Our good friends at Autonew. So some of that dynasty talk would, would come in handy. Maybe you could go get your own Jordan Love there. Uh, any uh, wide receivers on the move for you in your rankings, up uh, p- positive or negative? We talked about Fuller a little bit. Uh, anyone moving down there, you're like, uh, I just don't want to take him here. I mean, I moved Allen Robinson up earlier draft season. I just started to think, like, this guy's going to get league-leading type of targets you have Anthony Miller there who's been hurt a lot and mm-hmm. that's it. Maybe Tariq Cohen. It is a narrow tree and Allen Robinson, the bears defense isn't going to be that good. I think Allen Robinson is going to get a lot of targets. Yeah, and then, you know, Galladay, I moved him ahead of Galladay. I've Galladay at nine and I know he goes earlier than that and he was great on a per play basis, but I'm tempted to move up DJ Chark from 12 to nine, maybe because just the talent and the opportunity should be there. Thielen. I don't like that he had a hamstring injury and he's 30. So he's a little bit older and he had a soft tissue injury, but just like Robinson, he could get 160 targets like easily. And that's just hard to pass up. Um, other guys, Calvin Ridley's growing on me a little bit. You got Hayden Hurst, Julio Jones and Ridley, maybe Russell Gage, but it's a pretty thin tree on a very high volume passing attack. I mean, very high volume. And they don't really, you know, their running game, let's see if Todd Gurley holds up. But, you know, I think Ridley is just locked into his stats. Like, you take Ridley, like, you're just going to, if he's healthy, you're just going to get such a nice floor. Yeah, I think you will, too. I really like that one. Um, Tough one that I find, one that I find tough for me is now all three Cowboys wide receivers. How to, you know, how high do you take him? Because 
you know, yes, CD Lamb, you know, takes away some of the target volume for uh, for both Gallup and Cooper, but they're not going to get. It doesn't take them to zero either. And you know, you don't want someone else to get a windfall. Cooper's still a really good receiver. Gallup's still a really good receiver. Yeah, I mean, Gallup had a lot of drops, and he still was really efficient. The Cowboys, you know, McCarthy. Remember, McCarthy threw, threw a ton in the red zone with Rodgers, and Prescott is a pretty good quarterback, and they never threw in the red zone last year. So, Cooper got eight touchdowns, but with like nine red zone targets, like nothing inside the ten. And if McCarthy starts throwing inside the ten, you know, Cooper could get ten touchdowns. I mean, I project him for eight because it's yeah. can't do much more than that. But uh, they throw a lot, the Cowboys, and. I don't know. It is hard with those three guys, but remember C lamb comes in and replaces Randall Cobb's 83 targets. And then Witten left and he had like 50 targets. So you're talking about 133 targets are gone. Jarwin will get some, but I think, you know, Cooper and, and Gallup are going to retain their target share. I think. Yeah. I think they'll get pretty close to that too. Um, so yeah. And I wouldn't mind, uh, throwing out, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind actually getting Lamb in a, in a dynasty league too. I mean, I think that he, you know his talent is off the wall. It's still really ridiculously good. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, what you know, Judy Lamb were considered sort of the best talents in the draft, and no one knew who was going first. And Lamb kind of fell where he did. And maybe he's just so good that like it's one of those things where year one he's the number one guy right away, mm-hmm. and Cooper and Gallup are just sort of like battling for that second fiddle. I mean, it could be, it's not like the team's going to say, Oh no, you can't do it. It's just that he's coming in with no off season. Right. And you've got two good guys. I mean, you know, the, the thing that kind of reminds me of, although lamb's not this good is the Vikings that year in 98, they had Jake Reed and Chris Carter, two pro bowlers. And their third receiver was this rookie Randy Moss. Right. Right. And he didn't get that many snaps at first. And then he ended up with 17 touchdowns and like 10 pass interferences drawn down the field. Right. I mean, it was just like, okay, well, it's the football version of Mike Trout. You know? Yeah. It's just like, this guy's so good that, you know, and I, and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of hype around CD lamb. I don't know if that's, you know, I'm not a college football guy, so you might know better than me. Like whether it's like, you know, they're going to use lamb as a punt returner, apparently could be at least like that's not good yeah <laughs> it's like although you don't want yeah antonio brown started off as a punt returner too you make a play and then but it took him a couple of years to get involved now antonio yeah. brown was a six round pick and not a first round pick so it's a little different right that's right all right um all right i think that's pretty good i think they covered uh, what we're looking for looking forward to seeing the the snarky 150 coming yep, up here coming up, uh, what coming do you think they'll week? be up on the site uh, maybe tomorrow. It depends if I go to the beach or not with uh, Heather and Sasha. I was supposed to take a surfing lesson, but I said, you know what? I, I got to be home for the show now, and so I might push that to Friday and just bust this article out tomorrow. Tough life I have. Yeah, it's a hard knock life for sure. It is tough. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Dynasty. I want to thank our uh, sponsors. I want to thank uh, Dynasty Owner for uh, sponsoring us all this month. Also, Fandraft and Autonew. Uh We've got uh, Jake and Joe up again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Have a great day. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.